Welcome, friends, to the Encouraging Word. I'm here with Stephen Young, our Director of Youth Ministries of uh, Rocky River United Methodist Church. I'm Paul Bennett, one of the pastors, and we're excited to be back with you for another uh, episode of the Encouraging Word. And uh, I, I think the words we share today will be especially encouraging for those um, perhaps who are avid readers or maybe want a, a little incentive to uh, become more avid readers. Uh, Stephen and I just wrapped up a, a series on world religions and, and belief systems, and uh, we went mighty deep uh, into that. Well, yeah. I guess uh, uh, it felt deep for us because it was yeah. so much of it was new material, new right. concepts, uh, very eye-opening. But uh, I guess, um, uh, relatively speaking, we didn't go very deep, but just at the surface <laughs> level <laughs> of right. each of those, those right. different belief systems. But it was uh, incredibly fascinating. But we thought maybe for uh, this episode, we would step back and do something a little, a little lighter. Uh, at least I'm, I'm planning on keeping it light. Stephen might, you know, take us down some <laughs> rabbit hole, but uh, keeping it relatively light before we dig back into another series. Uh, in fact, and uh, we'll be coming to you this week with a, just kind of a one-off, and then uh, may have a, an interview, uh, perhaps two to, to work in in the coming weeks, and then we'll jump back in with a new series. Uh, but today is um, all about books, all about books. And uh, Stephen and I like to talk about the books that we're reading. We always uh, um, tend to, I, I feel like there's this underlying competition between us <laughs> to, to see who can read the most books and and yeah. even the silly thing of uh, who's reading the most books at one time. <laughs> like, it, I don't even know why that matters. But, That's uh, true. Yeah. I didn't know it was a competition, but. Well, know. there's so many things that are competitions in my head that right. I, I try not to reveal to, to others, but. Uh, so I was just kidding. That's not really a competition. Yeah. But I, I am winning, though. But oh, it's, <laughs> it's good to know you don't see it as a competition either. But uh, today we, we thought it would be uh, fun for us, and, and we hope it's fun for you. Maybe it's going to be a complete bore, but uh, yeah. for, for Stephen and I to share some of our favorite books that we've read throughout our lives, and we thought we would cover both uh, Christian literature and, uh, and, and literature that's not necessarily religious in its focus uh, to give you both perspectives and uh, you may find yourself you know pausing this and, and writing down uh, names and, and authors of, of books as we go that's fine we'd love to you know these it's it's interesting as we prepared for this uh, episode Steve and I thought oh this would be really easy to, to prepare you know what's so difficult about coming up with our favorite books and talking about them but uh, we were just sharing as we got ready to record man this is uh, we, we bit off quite a, a task here because uh, your, your favorite books if you're a reader uh, become sacred to you it's mm -hmm. like they're, they're a part of you they they in some ways define you and and so to uh, not, not only just to, to choose which of those books to share but then to somehow represent them in a way that can uh, help other people get excited about them too is a, a monumental task so right. uh, so Stephen and I have our work cut out for us today but uh, before we dive into that, we have a, a segment uh, that uh, we're, we're going to use to lighten things up even more, and that's our, our fit segment, where we bring to you something brief that uh, is either funny, interesting, or thought-provoking, and Stephen has a, a doozy for us. I really have no idea what he has for <laughs> us, but I'm sure it will be a doozy. I'll let him go ahead and chime right. in with his fit for the week. Yeah, so, um, yeah, welcome everyone um, onto the podcast, and uh 
My fit, funny, interesting, thought-provoking thing this week is um, recently got a new car. Um, actually, it's second new car in about a month. That's all another story. So I got a new car, <laughs> and a, it's a plug-in hybrid. So um, it's been really fun and just kind of fascinated by the technology of it and um, always excited to pass up gas stations. is a lot of fun because um, I have... It is a minivan, so I've joined um, the minivan, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm a minivan dad now, um, so that's that's been a, a transition for me. I'm no longer young anymore, so I'm kind of over the hill. Is that is that what happens when you get a minivan? Yeah, officially, yeah. yeah. Sorry to say <laughs> you've, you've crossed the right, line. Right, right. Welcome to the club. Exactly. Yeah. I try to be get the coolest minivan. It's all black. Everything's black. I try to not to – I'm trying not to – embrace it maybe me I, mean, I, I need to just embrace it you really just gotta jump right. in you know yeah. feet first and and really right. just take the plunge but yeah if it makes you feel better you <laughs> ease your way in ease my way yeah. yeah anyways it's kind of fun having um the hybrid and i've never had a hybrid before it's actually a plug-in hybrid so you can use electricity up to about 38 miles and then it's a hybrid um, but it's fun because it, you charge your battery when you break, so that makes me like I'm not mad at red lights anymore because I get to charge my battery. Um, you charge your battery when you're going down hills, um, and also you save battery too when you when you don't accelerate really fast and you stay around the speed limit. So my whole driving has shifted, <laughs> and Emily already says I kind of drive too slow, and now she's really going to complain I drive too slow because I I just barely get to the speed limit and I cruise at the speed limit to try to get my battery to last as long as possible. And I also found this out last night too is that when you don't use the air, the AC or the heat or anything, you actually save battery too. So um, the whole film is going to be open <laughs> for a rude awakening when we get in the car on a 90 degree, 90 degree day and I'm like, oh, we're not turning the air on because we're saving battery. So... <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Um, but no, it's been really fun, and um, and I'm just really thankful for um, how God has blessed us with the new vehicle and um, and all the opportunities it provides us. So yeah, that's kind of been my fit. I'm picturing your family driving down the road and the girls sticking their head <laughs> right. out the window like a dog just trying to get some some air. Right. My dad won't turn the air on. In the crazy heat. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the stories they're going to tell yeah. <laughs> their friends in at school. My dad's so cheap, he doesn't even turn the air on in the car. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's funny. Uh, so for my fit, I, I thought uh, that I would share with you one of the hobbies that um, my my middle son has. Um, he's 15 years old, and he is into magnet fishing, magnet uh, fishing. Uh, yeah. And up until a year or so ago when he shared this with me, I'd never heard of it before, so maybe <laughs> you haven't either. Uh, magnet fishing really has nothing to do with fishing. Um, there's... There's no fish involved, uh, which is, you know, was... There's was, no metal fish that you... Can, <laughs> well, oh, I didn't know that. I'm sure that somebody out there has found one at some point right. and, and reeled it in. Uh, but uh, w what you're essentially doing is you're, you're fishing for 
uh, I, <laughs> I have Jesus, you know, telling the disciples to <laughs> fish for men coming to mind. I'm trying to think of the things that we fish for that aren't fish. Um, but uh, you're fishing for anything metal because you're dragging a magnet through the water along the, the bottom of the, the water to try to see what you can discover uh, that somebody else is either intentionally or unintentionally uh, lost in the water. Anything made of metal that will stick to this uh, mm. high-powered magnet and um, oh. uh, you get to bring in. And, you know, there are many days you're lucky to get, you know, like a pop tab or something or like an old nail that fell off of something. But uh, there are some pretty exciting discoveries people have made around the wow. world from magnet fishing. Um, my son shared a, a video with me at one point where this uh, gentleman was magnet fishing and he reeled in this uh, this safe with a, a lock on it that uh, a, a burglar had stolen from somebody's house wow. that was full of money and he he uh, was able to take it back to the original owner. Uh, I just did a quick search online. Some of these things people have found a, a uh, 1944 World War II German gas mask, uh, you know, just chilling at the bottom of the right, lake, right? right. <laughs> or a, a huge park bench. I can picture, you know, a couple of kids thought it would be fun probably one night <laughs> to take the bench <laughs> and just toss it in the water. That's a powerful magnet to pull out a park bench. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe they had to, maybe it was a, a communal uh, magnet yeah. fishing event and right. everybody had to <laughs> bring their magnets <laughs> together <laughs> with our powers combined. We are <laughs> Captain Planet's <laughs> bench <laughs> removal team. All right, we've, we're, we're derailing. Military oh. dog tags people have found. Uh, a German army helmet stash, just a bunch of uh, helmets. Um, diamond bracelet, that's a nice find. Right, huh? yeah, a um, American Civil War cannonballs and, and a rail, railroad uh, wheel. Huh. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for something new this summer to keep you uh, off the couch and want to get out there and... Uh, drag a line in the water it doesn't have to be for fish it can be mm -hmm. for metal you know and you can turn in scrap metal and it's uh has a you know at least relatively significant value depending on how heavy it is so right. uh magnet fishing okay. you know there's your fun new idea uh for for the day maybe get your kids in, involved and uh, be a family event can we take that to, like, your local public pool? Would that be a good idea? <laughs> I'm picturing, like, and don't they make uh, replacement joints out of oh, yeah. metal sometimes? Oh, You'd be fishing in the pool and probably reel in Real some, some older gentleman who's had a yeah. couple of... <laughs> right, that's not a good idea. Sorry about yeah. that, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So uh, that's probably enough of that. Let's uh, let Stephen is going to kick us off with the the book theme today. And uh, are we doing these in any particular order? Are we saving the best for last or best yeah, I was first? Gonna, yeah. You always go from um, your lowest to your highest, right? So that's that's, that's how you have to do it. Man. I got to figure that out. Um, then you, you feel free to take a while. Yeah. <laughs> put mine in order. Right. See, I, I put mine in order. Okay. Um, but yeah. So. What we're doing, it's a top five Christian books and a top five fiction, nonfiction books, which might end up being mostly fiction. Um, so I, I kind of organize this in a top five, and it is really hard, as Paul said at the top of the podcast, that it is hard to really get out, like, picking your top five. Um, probably because every time, I, so I have, I guess I put a little recommendation out there. There's a website called goodreads.com and it's a really cool site because you can put books, like you, all your books, you can categorize and put them up there. So I started that way back in 
2011. So I've had it for quite a while now, but it's always interesting to see all the books that I've read throughout the years. And you just, it's almost like a journal. You see the different books you read throughout the years and it reminds you of that period of time. You're like, oh, I remember that book. I remember this book. I remember what I was going through when I read this book. Um, And also too, like I've written some reviews to the book. So that's always helpful. And and also, if you have a Kindle, if you highlight books in your Kindle, Amazon Kindle, um, I don't know if it works with other um, ebook devices, but it saves into Goodreads, so all your highlights are saved there, so you can always find them. So that's also really neat. Anyways, so my top five Christian fo- books. I'll start with number five. Um, it's called "More Than Meets the Eye" by Richard Swanson. Um, and it's a really fascinating book about how science and religion are not in conflict. And this is written by a doctor, and he literally, incredibly smart, and he literally goes through some of the biggest um, scientific discoveries and science really goes through like our body and particles. He talks about the heart, blood, and lungs. He talks about our senses, the brain and nervous system talks about stars force and energy physics and all the time and space and light he talks about all these things and he explains the math and and the incredible science behind these things while also speaking from a christian perspective um it's a very i love science and i love when science and faith um coexist and interact with each other i think it's fascinating and i'll read one quick paragraph that kind of gives a hint to it um he writes Every human body is a miracle exceeding comprehension. The complexity and dimensions involved are staggering to the mind, straining our abilities to apprehend the grandeur. Yet if we make an effort to reach for the meaning behind biology, we will find ourselves edified on several levels. So he's just saying like the the amazing body that we have just speaks to the, the ability um, creativity of God and even the small little bit that we can understand um, really speaks again to God's amazing um, God's amazing ability to create and I just think it's fascinating um, to see science from that perspective but great book more than meets the eye so. mm. yeah and uh, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day but our conversation went in the, the direction of science and uh, just I was reminded of this, uh, this idea that science, uh, to me, uh, so many of the intricacies of, of science, biology, uh, astronomy, um, all of these things are, are uh, you know, fascinating for us to learn, and, and they're the inner, inner workings, the infrastructure of our world. But uh, to me, more than anything, it really comes down to they're just ways for God to show off, like right. How, right. how wise and, and, and perfect and amazing he is. From the the largest, uh, you know, studying the galaxies that God created, we may never reach, but we get to look at them and be reminded of God's beauty. And then right. down to the, uh, the the single cell and and the breakdown yep. of the cell that, that right. God would have dictated right. the design of those things is right. unbelievable. So yeah. Uh, yeah, sounds like a fascinating read. My uh, first book I'll share with you is called The Prophetic Imagination, The Prophetic Imagination by uh, Walter Brueggemann. And uh, I feel like I'm really going to struggle to relay what this book is about, so I'm just going to read a quick review on the back of the 
uh, back of the binding here, it says, Walter Brueggemann is thoroughly versed in all the technicalities of Old Testament scholarship, but his writings always relate these to the issues of contemporary society. He sets out a pattern of prophetic ministry whose task is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to that of the dominant culture. There is much to give food for thought to any sensitive reader. So Brueggemann is uh, approaching the uh, task of, of uh, prophetic work and, and prophetic thinking and applying it to um, our contemporary society, and he goes through uh, and addresses the prophetic work of several of the, the Old Testament prophets and begins to link it to the New Testament and Jesus' ministry and then uh, to us today. Prophecy, friends, is, is not just predicting the future. It's uh, helping us uh, see uh, where God is at work currently and where our uh, path will lead us if if um, we continue along it. And that can be very good. It can be very, very bad. Uh, just a, one more quote um, from within the book itself. Uh, reads like this, in both his teaching and his very presence, Jesus of Nazareth presented the ultimate criticism of the royal consciousness. He has, in fact, dismantled the dominant culture and nullified its claims. The way of his ultimate criticism is his de decisive solidarity with marginal people and the accompanying vulnerability required by that solidarity. The only solidarity worth affirming is solidarity characterized by the same helplessness that they know and experience. Uh, so uh, linking Old Testament prophets to, to Jesus's ministry and his solidarity is willing to make himself vulnerable to uh, just to, to contrast to the, the culture of the time and come alongside uh, people who were broken and and uh, and vulnerable and, and helpless and and uh, the call for us to do the same. So uh, it's it's a tough read. Uh, if you didn't know from that that quote, you'd probably have to read every <laughs> sentence three times. But right. it's well worth it. Prophetic imagination. Yeah, that's a great book. I've also read. I've read that book as well. Um, it is a really good book, and it is um, really um, academically written. But yeah, when you take the time to. Um, dig into that book. I think it has a lot to give. My fourth book um, is The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. Um, and I don't have quotes for every book, but it doesn't make it any less significant. It could be because I didn't find it <laughs> in my library of books. Um, but I love The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. I think he also has a follow-up book to that as well. Um, but Keller's a really great writer. In the book, he really addresses especially our secular society. He addresses it um, head on with um, the reason for God, why God is important, why God is significant, why we need um, God within our lives and how God speaks to the culture. It's a very, very, very good book. I've, I've quoted it actually in one of our podcasts before. Um, and Keller, even as a minister, if you ever have the chance to hear his stuff, um, I think his radio or his podcast is called Gospel for Life. Highly recommend Keller. Um, I listen to him a lot. But his book, this is a really, really good book um, that I would also recommend. So, Is that uh, the first of four from Keller? 
No, <laughs> no, actually, it's the only one on here. The only Kellers, one? Yeah. So. I thought, you know, yeah. uh, four, three, two, one right. would be the countdown to the right. best Keller book ever. I'm trying to, I'm practicing diversity here in my book, in my <laughs> authors of books, so. I know it's difficult right. uh, for you to, to um, not include more than one. <laughs> exactly. Kellers. Or you could have t- all C.S. Lewis in here, too. But yeah, yeah. I, I struggled with that to yeah. not have um, too many C.S. Lewis. Not giving Lewis. anything away. So. Right, yes. We, we, we should. <laughs> Uh, we should reveal gradually. Uh, so my second book is is titled uh, Pagan Christianity. Pagan Christianity, and it's uh, co-authored by Frank Viola and George Barna. And um, what should we say about pagan Christianity? I, w- I won't read the back. I'll just uh, uh, describe it in my own words, and then I got one quote just to give you a taste. But pagan Christianity is is an attempt by these two authors to... Uh, go directly to Holy Scripture and um, assess the current format and and, uh, organization of the local church uh, through a scriptural lens. So uh, the different chapters address different elements of of how we do church. I'll I'll share a few of these chapter subjects with you. One is uh, the church building itself, uh, the order of worship, the sermon, uh, this concept of even having a pastor. Uh, chapter 6 is entitled Sunday Morning Costumes. I think you know where that's going. Ministers of Music, uh, Tithing and, and Clergy Salaries, Baptism and the Lord's Supper, Christian Education, uh, Reapproaching the, the New Testament. It reengages the, uh, the approach to the New Testament in general. So uh, the, the purpose of the book to me is incredibly fascinating. Of course, my life is, is uh, church and uh, so maybe more so for me than others, but my passion has always been to, to try as best as possible, even within our current framework, to make sure that our church represents the, the biblical model that Christ called us to um, and the apostles tried to live out, and this book helps uh, break down exactly what that might look like. Just to give you a taste, um, here's just a quick quote about church planters, uh, people who go into an area and plant uh, a new church. It reads, church planters deliberately left so that the church could function under the headship of Christ. If a church planter stays in a church, the members naturally look to them to lead. Every member, every member functioning is hindered. This is still true today. The pattern throughout the entire New Testament is that church planters, apostolic workers, always left the church after they laid the foundation. So uh, just one example of how they engage, you know, how things played out in the New Testament church, the early church, and relate that to how we do things today. Are we on track? And and if not, uh, why? And, and if not, is that a problem? Is it something we need to address? So uh, absolutely fascinating book, Pagan Christianity, uh, Frank Viola, George Barna. Right. Yeah, I think that's actually on my list of books I want to read. Um, I've gone through Paul's books, and um, yeah, that's one that I want to read. M- many of them I don't want to read, but that one, no. <laughs> well, many of them I don't want to read. I'm not even sure why I have no, them. Yeah. Just, I, I collect. Actually, I have one of your books on my nightstand that I'm trying to read through right now. I'll get it to you eventually. That's uh, probably the one I've le- been looking for <laughs> right. for uh, preparing my sermon oh, for, yeah, right. for uh, you know, yeah. next time. So if it's a horrible sermon, we know who to blame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, my... Um, third book on my list as I make my way to the top um, is uh, Follow Me by David Platt. 
and that's Follow Me by David Platt, and it's a really good book that um, really talks about discipleship. Um, David Platt really, if you ever heard him speak or read any of his books, um, he's um, definitely, he really gets to the heart of the Christian faith, and he really holds nothing back. Um, he really speaks unapologetically about your commitment to Christ and commitment to the Word of God and living it out. Um, very, very um, strong words and has a huge heart and commitment to Christ. Um, his books are always can be very convicting reads. Um, so this book, again, is about discipleship and what it means to follow Christ, what it means to die to ourselves, and what does it mean to, to completely live for Christ. Um, I'm going to read one of his quotes from the book that kind of gets at um, um, the heart of the book. Um, so he says, um, as we turn to Jesus, he transforms us. As we die to ourselves, we live in him. He gives us a new heart, cleansed of sin, filled with his spirit. He gives us a new mind, an entirely new way of thinking. He gives us new desires, entirely new senses of longing. And he gives us a new will, an entirely new way of living. Um, this paragraph really kind of gets at the heart of what this book is about, um, about being transformed by Jesus with a new heart, a new mind, new desires, and a new will. Um, and throughout the book, he kind of um, really speaks to that. Um, and um, it's a really, really great book. I've, and you know, f at least for me, I know when it's a good book is when um, I can tell I, re I read this book back in 2013. Um, and I know when it's a good book, when it's something like, oh, yeah, I remember that book. And even though you can't always remember direct quotes all the time, I do, um, I will confess, I do write in my books. For those of you who might think that's the worst thing ever, <laughs> um, but I love writing my books because then I can go back and find everything that I thought about the book. Um, but this is one of the books when someone asked me what's a good book, this comes to mind. Even though I read it years ago, it's still a great book. Um, so, yeah, recommend it. Yeah, David Platt is uh, new to me. I think you shared um, shared with me just a couple of months ago, and, and I picked up a Platt book. Yeah, uh, Radical. Radical. Right. And I think it, it's almost intended to be like a prequel to Follow Me. Yeah, it was the book before this. One. Okay. So Radical kind of breaks down um, our, our uh, waywardness and our, our tendency to get too caught up in the American dream, right. uh, so yeah. to speak, and, and um, the things that we need to deconstruct right. in our lives. And then Follow Me is intended to begin yep. that that reconstruction right. and, and new life. Um, right. So I, I, it sounds like I need to read Follow Me, and maybe we got to get you hooked up with right. Radical. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I think I've read Radical. Radical is definitely a, a radical book. It's definitely <laughs> a, a radical way of looking at That's at, right. At life, so. Uh, so continuing on my third book, I had to break up my two C.S. Lewis's. I, I couldn't do them back to back. So uh, I, I, first, I'll, I'll throw out there the screw tape letters. Uh, if you're not familiar with the screw tape letters, uh, make sure you know what you're doing before you, you, you dive into it. So the screw tape letters, I'll, I'll uh, share <clears throat> from the back of the book just a quick description. Uh, this classic has entertained and enlightened readers the world over with its sly and ironic portrayal of human life and foibles from the vantage point of screw tape, a highly placed assistant to our father below, meaning Satan. 
at once wildly comic, deadly serious, and strikingly original. C.S. Lewis gives us the correspondence of the worldly wise old devil to his nephew Wormwood, a novice demon in charge of securing the damnation of an ordinary young man. The Screwtape Letters is the most engaging account of temptation and triumph over it ever written. Uh, Screwtape Letters is a journey, it's an experience, it's, uh, as, as it says, a correspondence between basically a, a head administrative demon and his nephew who is novice just coming into the um, to the business of, of being a demon who is uh, assigned to an individual in the world. Um, don't know that C.S. Lewis really intends this to be, uh, you know, biblically, yeah, that, that necessarily uh, that this is the way it, it works, but the key is uh, for us to learn from the perspective of, of evil and of Satan um, how, uh, how, Satan tries to uh, get into our head and pull us, essentially pull us away from God in every way possible, most often ways that we would least expect and least recognize. And it's a very heavy book. Uh, it can be very, um, a very, it is a very difficult read. You, you do have to, but the chapters are nice and small, like two pages, three pages, so you can actually sit down and read them three times and uh, spend the same amount of time you'd read on a different chapter. Uh, but really, really enlightening, helps you see uh, that, that topic uh, with a, a new set of eyes. And I would highly recommend it, Screw Tape Letters. Good. Yeah, and um, it's kind of funny that you just did your C.S. Lewis book because it's time for my C.S. Lewis right. book. Um, and that's uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I think it's a pretty popular Christian book. If you've done any sort of research of top Christian books, Mere Christianity would be at the near the top for many people's lists. Um, and I think that's because it, it's such a... Whenever someone asks me, for example, whenever someone asks me, or students, or, or someone asks me, like, a... a about Christianity or there's talk about Christianity is just so simple and um, it's not intellectual like like secular beliefs and whatnot um, and I challenge them that you need to re read mere Christianity because it's a book that that speaks about the Christian faith in a way that you typically wouldn't read um, in other Christian books not that it's um, it's expressing all the um, theological truths and orthodoxy but it's also speaking in a way that's very intellectual and very philosophical um, that really digs into the deep deepness of human nature and culture. Um, it really makes you think outside of the box. It's a fascinating read and it, and it really helps you to see the Christian faith in all its complexities, but also how those complexities speak to simple truths and how the Christian faith truly, truly is a new way of living and thinking that that makes sense really um that really reading this book you're like you know what it makes sense to be a christian like it, it just and it offers a sense of you know i think with every within everyone's within all our thinking we always kind of want to know more right especially for stuff that you're really interested in you want to know more you're always asking questions matter of fact uh, a thing that typically goes on in the Christian faith you might have heard is like deconstruction. So 
someone might say oh, I'm deconstructing my faith for some reason, different reasons. Um, but Mere Christianity is a book written for someone like that who wants to go deep, who wants to think deeply about this faith, who really wants to get a little more than just the surface level, but they want to dig into the real meat and the theological thoughts and, and underpinnings. Um, great book for that. Um, it's actually a book. That, these next two books, this book and the next book I'll share, are two books that um, are on my list to read over again because it's kind of just one of those books that um, really has an effect on you no matter what stage of life you're in. You could read it when you're a teenager. You could read it when you're a young adult, middle age, about Paul's age, and then you could read it when you're <laughs> when you're older. So <laughs> my yeah. my age is it's not implied to be attached to any of those labels. Right, right, just, you just right. inserted it randomly right, in there, right? right. Yeah, that's random. Okay. So yeah, I highly, highly recommend Mere Christianity. It was actually a uh, the book is recordings of C. S. Lewis uh, radio recordings. So C. S. Lewis did a radio um, interview and and it's those radio interviews made into a book. So Great, great book. Right about the time of World War II, right. I believe. Yeah. So you can even find some references right. to right. Uh, world events at the time. Right. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you are a, a thinker and yep. uh, new yep. to the Christian faith, or uh, in particular, but uh, anybody um, who's a thinker and, and wants to dig deeper into their faith, I would think that has to be yep. near the top of oh, must yeah. reads. Uh, for all Christians who are willing to think on that level. Yeah. Um, a couple other C.S. Lewis, uh, A Grief Observed and Problem of Pain are, right. are two of my other favorites. Or uh, The Great Divorce is another good one. You know what, Stephen? You're stealing my thunder. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wow. That's, that really hurts. But, um, but we'll press on. All right. <laughs> so, so my second book... Um, now that everybody knows what my first book is oh, going to be, I should have I switched the order on the spot. I should have just to continue to not yeah. be so anticlimactic. Right. My second book is uh, is called The Irresistible Revolution. Uh, it's by a, a gentleman named Shane Claiborne, uh, and this is a, actually a contemporary read because uh, Claiborne is still uh, in in ministry and uh, is just a little bit older than me, which isn't really that old at all, Stephen. By the way, uh, but. Uh, uh, what I'll say about this book is it absolutely changed my life, changed the way I, I looked at um, just living out the Christian faith. Um, it, it says on the back, uh, using examples from his own unconventional life, Shane Claiborne stirs up questions about the church and the world, challenging you to live out an authentic Christian faith. Authentic being the key word there. This book will comfort the disturbed, disturb the comfortable and invite believers to change the world with Christ's radical love. And I think that's the, the perfect uh, description. Um, just a very eye-opening and uh, I could talk about this book for you know three hours. I could sit here and read this book to you and, and have a great time doing it. I'll just uh, share one quote from within just to give you a taste uh, for, for Shane Claiborne. Uh, it says, I asked participants who claimed to be strong followers of Jesus whether Jesus spent time with the poor. Nearly 80% said yes. Later in the survey, I sneaked in another question. I asked the same group of strong followers whether they spent time with the poor, and less than 2% said they did. I learned a powerful lesson. We can admire and worship Jesus without doing what he did. 
We can applaud what he preached and stood for without caring about the same things. We can adore his cross without taking up ours. I had come to see that the great tragedy of the church is not that rich Christians do not care about the poor, but that rich Christians do not know the poor. Uh, so that's just a, a quick uh, flavor of, of what you will find in this book, and it will disturb uh, the comfortable indeed. And, uh, you know, I, I count myself among uh, the comfortable that have been disturbed by this book, but I welcomed it, uh, welcomed the experience, and encourage you to check it out for yourself, The Irresistible Revolution. Great. Yeah, that sounds really good. That's, yeah, I should... Um, I have to steal that off your shelf as well. Yeah, and Shane Claiborne is really good. I've listened to some interviews with Shane Claiborne, and he's a really great, great person to listen to. Um, all right, so now I'm at my top book. Uh, my number one book is, I wish we had a drum roll, but uh, oh, thanks, thanks, thanks. How was that? That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, number one book is um, Surrender to Love. By David uh, Benner. So, Surrender to Love by David Benner. Fascinating, fascinating book. Even as I was going through this book, I was just telling Paul before we started recording, I'm like, I need to read this book over again. Um, and even as I, again, like I said, I'm marking my books, I was going through the whole book's almost marked. It's one of those things that's like, well, I just should highlight the whole book. So, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I really, really love it. Um, I'll quickly read what the back says and then share one quote. Um, it says, In our self-reliant error, most of us recoil from the conception of surrendering to a power or authority outside of ourselves. But surrender need not be seen as threatening, especially when the one to whom we are surrendering um, is the greatness of goodness and love. God doesn't want his people to respond to him out of fear or obligation. Rather, he invites us to enter into an authentic relationship of intimacy and devotion. And so God calls us to move beyond mere obedience by surrendering to love. In this profound book, David Benner explains the twin themes of love and surrender as the heart of the Christian spirituality. Through careful examination of scripture and reflection on the Christian tradition, Benner shows how God bids us to trust fully in his perfect love. Um, and I'll read, I mean, there's just so many quotes in this book. It's just absolutely fascinating. Um, so I'm kind of struggling which one I want to read. We could, I could do a whole podcast on this book. Anyways, I'll pick um, this quote on page 55. He says, by contrasting obedience and surrender, he says, I do not want to put too much distance between them. Those who surrender obey but not all who obey surrender. Hmm. It is quite easy to obey God for the wrong reasons. What, what God desires is submission of the heart and will, not simply compliance in our behavior. Um, again, so this quote is saying that God desires a great love from us that's not out of, driven not out of obligation, but driven out of a pure love for God himself. Um, and... I can't help myself. I read one more quote. So, <laughs> uh, this other quote I think is really fascinating too. So he kind of talks about human love. He says, The deep human longings for surrender to perfect love can never be satisfied by anyone other than God. 
Human love, no matter how noble, is always contaminated to some extent by self-interest. Narcissistic wounds, particularly if unacknowledged, will always limit self-sacrificial qualities of unconditional love. So what he's saying there is that all the love that we ever experience in this life, even the love of our parents, the love of our children, none of that love can meet our deepest human longings because there is no other perfect, there is no perfect love. Um, it's all tainted. It's God's love that we seek and desire, and it's God's love that can fulfill that deep longing. Um, anyways, this is two quotes of many. I have four other quotes I was going to read, but, you know, for the sake of time, it's just a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating book. I cannot recommend it more. So I'll probably be reading it again here in the next couple of weeks. But, yeah. I think, I think it's neat that your number one book is something that uh, I've never heard of by an author <laughs> I've never heard of. So that kind of excites me and, right. and intrigues me, and I, I may have to borrow that from yeah. uh, yourself here yeah. soon. Yeah, Your yeah. Love Has Grown Cold, you definitely need to read that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's, it's, it's perfect for me in, in this stage of life when I'm uh, cold-hearted joking, and joking. broken. <laughs> if anyone, yeah. Yeah, well. Appreciate that. Well, uh, you know, I'm down to my number one book. Maybe Stephen, do you want to just introduce it since you already kind of <laughs> already kind of did? I, I had no idea what your number one book was, but go ahead, you can share it. Oh, it's it's C.S. Know. Lewis's the. This is the Great Divorce. It's the Great oh, Divorce. Man. The Great Divorce. I didn't, Stephen. I didn't know, really, yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so another C.S. Lewis book, and I can't imagine anything you read by uh, Lewis would be a waste of time. But this yeah. is um, probably my my favorite. Um, the the topic uh, is very unique, uh, as was the case with the Screw Tape Letters, but. Um, it's uh, it, it, well. I'll just read the back. A fantastic journey through both heaven and hell, um, and fantastic being fantastical, uh, not not intended to be theologically uh, accurate in, in its depiction, um, but yet uh, still profound and and uh, in teaching us the the nature of these um, these two places, these two concepts, maybe is the better term for it. And uh, <clears throat> it says. In The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis uh, again employs his formidable talent for fable and allegory. The writer, in a dream, boards a bus on a drizzly afternoon and embarks on an incredible voyage through heaven and hell. He meets a host of supernatural beings far removed from his expectations and comes to significant realizations about the ultimate consequences of everyday behavior. This is the starting point for a profound meditation upon good and evil. If we insist on keeping hell or even earth, we shall not see heaven. If we accept heaven, we shall not be able to retain even the smallest and most intimate souvenirs of hell. Uh, there's uh, so much I can once again say about this uh, book. It, it's an experience. Uh, the the uh, allegory, the, the fable, as the author on the back uh, cites it here, is, is just out of this world. It will take your imagination uh, for, uh, for a ride and at the same time just open your eyes to, to some really incredible and, and deep concepts of, of heaven and hell, uh, good and evil, and, and how our lives today uh, play into 
these realities. Uh, so couldn't couldn't recommend it enough. So that takes us through our, our top five. And I told Steve we had this conversation the other day. I was really struggling narrowing it down to five. I said, Stephen, I'm going to make full use of the honorable mention category. <laughs> so quickly, here's my honorable mentions. I will say nothing but the, the title and the author, uh, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. Uh, we already mentioned Radical uh, by David Platt. Streams in the Desert, a devotional by L.B. Cowman, and The Shack uh, by, by Paul Young. Not The Shack, S-H-A-Q, uh, book about Shaquille O'Neal. That might be out there, too, so I don't want you to be confused. The Shack uh, by Paul Young. That's my honorable mention, and uh, we're going to transition to our, our other list of books, but do you have any honorable mentions, Stephen? Yeah, I have to definitely do Prodigal God by Timothy Keller's. Kind of embarrassingly enough, I... We had recently just read that book, but yeah, that's a fascinating book. Um, I would do um, The Comptable Pastor. Eugene Peterson, if you ever just look up Eugene Peterson, a lot of his books are really, really good. He's very poetic in his writing, um, really thinks deep. Um, I also do, I would say, Deep Change. It's kind of actually a book on leadership. It's not explicitly Christian. I think the author is Christian, but it's called Deep Change, and it's about how to make changes in your leadership, changes in organizations. Um, reading that book was really good. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great books out there. So um, so it's time to, yeah. we, we thought it would be uh, fun for you to, uh, not that, uh, well, you might enjoy these books. It might be a genre that you're absolutely uninterested in, as Stephen and I share some of our books that are not faith-based. Uh, but, you know, if nothing else, it's a way to get to know <coughs> how, uh, how strange our minds work, <laughs> things that we enjoy, <coughs> if nothing else. So, um, so my first book on this, uh, on this second list, I, I didn't take time What's to put it. What's the name of the second list? Did you what that? is the name? I, on my paper here, I just called it Five Other Books. <laughs> five Other Books. So top five fiction, nonfiction books. There you go. Kinda. There you go. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to list one first that I know Stephen has on his list since, you know, he stole my thunder. I <laughs> I can uh, return the favor. So, The Lord of the Rings uh by J.R.R. Tolkien wow. Wow. is on my list. I don't think it needs wow. any explanation, but I I, I love fantasy and, and science fiction and uh of course there are some kind of Christian uh, uh under under themes if that's even a word but uh undertones undertones yeah and uh Tolkien I believe um had a, a personal connection with was it C.S. Lewis yes, and yeah. and uh some other what a, a incredible conversation yeah. to, to sit be a fly on the wall when those guys are hanging out right, right. but uh Lord of the Rings um movies are great but I uh, can't recommend the books enough yeah so um yeah, Paul is that's that's pretty low blow there. Just stealing <laughs> my thunder. Anyways, what I want to say before I'm gonna I'm not gonna give as much time to speak through all of these books because I don't want everyone listening for too long because um, I know our voices may get annoying eventually. Um, anyways, but all these books that I have on my list, they're actually they're all fiction. I need to do a nonfiction list. We, we've talked about it. Um, but the reason that these books are on my list is, one, because they have great character development. I love character development. The character's got to change from the beginning to end. Um, I pick it also, too, because the universe that these books are in is just a fascinating universe that's deep. 
that's believable that's like you just want to be there um the third reason i pick these books because they're inspiring they uh, just a little bit about me i like to write occasionally i need to write more but these books really are the books that kind of like fuel that engine for wanting to write um so they're just really really good and also i say the fourth thing is that these books you know when something's good especially when it's fiction is that when you're living your day-to-day life you can easily quote a quote something from a fiction book or movie and it fits perfectly into your real reality so like this kind of how these books are you're like oh yeah that that character in the book would act like this or that quote from that book fits perfectly right now so almost kind of these books kind of have a little bit of a crossover between a um a parable that's why jesus told stories all the time and his parables were stories fiction stories that would fit into real life um he would use them for real life examples so these books kind of have that sense of crossover more so some more so than others but um, they all kind of fit into that so i'll go from my list number five is the showdown by ted decker very very great book definitely is like a parable for sure ted decker is a christian fiction author I would recommend all your all his books, um, especially eight, also eighty thirty and eighty thirty three are really great books on Jesus, um, and and kind of that time period. But the Showdown by Ted Decker is, is a great book. Yeah, I, uh, you introduced me to Ted Decker as well, and I, I did not read that book, but a different book of his, and really enjoyed it. Nice yeah. intersection between kind of a thriller yeah. uh, with uh, Christian yeah. themes, Definitely opportunity thrillers. to grow yeah. in your faith while reading something right. that is uh, uh, essentially right. a thriller. Right. His uh, books are definitely thrillers for sure. So. Right. So uh, as, as Stephen shared, I, I think that's a great thing to do, take a moment to, and I will take only a moment, but the things that in particular drew uh, Stephen into his books are similar to the things that drew me into these. Uh, character development is huge for me, um, a, a story that builds uh, throughout in a, in a really smooth and, and powerful way. And the one thing I've noticed about myself over the years is that setting is extremely important to me. I, I absolutely love books. Uh, that are, are epic stories, uh, lots of uh, just a, a long, drawn-out just kind of experience where a character develops and, and goes through incredible things, but the setting uh, has to, to, to fascinate me. It has to engage my imagination or my artistic side uh, in somehow, some way. So um, those are things that are significant to me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel... I don't know. I feel. I don't know how I feel about saying this one. My fourth, uh, my number four, because I, I feel like I'm a walking cliche or something. But Harry Potter, I, you know, when they first came out, I was like, oh, everybody is into these, and I, I don't want to just jump on the bandwagon. But uh, you know, I've read the books, uh, some of them multiple times, watched the movies, and <laughs> you just can't beat the. The story, the characters, uh, the, the world of uh, of Harry Potter. Um, you know, early on, of course, there was some concern. Some people were a little nervous about the idea of this witches and wizards and uh, magic. And is this uh, 
in contrast with our faith, but um, there's in fact a lot of notions in there that reinforce our, our beliefs and and uh, concepts within our faith. Uh, you could almost even draw a parallel between part of the storyline and, and uh, the, the Gospels. So I, I love Harry Potter, and it's just one of those I can go back to over and over. It never gets old just because it's uh, such a fun uh, experience, fun adventure to be on any part of the, the story of, what is there, like uh, eight movies, seven books or something like that? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I'm starting to realize, too, that... Um, yeah, we'll probably definitely have to do a nonfiction book list because uh, <laughs> I've realized too that not everyone loves to read fiction um, books. And um, I know for our listeners out there, someone might, oh, what's some of your nonfiction favorites? So I'll definitely mm-hmm. have to, we'll have to get a list for that for sure. Um, because Paul and I actually have pretty similar tastes. <laughs> so people are like, well, that's a lot of, a lot of crossover <laughs> here. Um, again, I'll share real quick. Number four for me is Chronicles of Narnia. Fantastic book. Um, actually collection of books the rest of my books are all collections so Chronicles of Narnia some books I like better than the others but especially The Witch in the Wardrobe and the very last book are really good and a couple other books there in the middle are really good but C.S. Lewis definitely is writing as if a parable um, throughout the whole books it's speaking to the Christian story it's really 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 good um, writing a fiction and, and, and infusing Christian truth within it it's um, his book is C.S. Lewis, this Chronicles of Narnia is quoted a lot, even in sermons, and um, great book. My third is, uh, And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. I'm, so I'm you're huge. finished? I'm finished? Uh, you said Then There Were None. Is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> My third book. Oh, and then, <laughs> and then There Were No More Books. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, is that like a dad joke? Yeah, baby. I got between the minivan and the dad jokes here. I think you're passing me (laughs) up age wise here. And then there were none. Uh, Agatha Christie. I I love mysteries and um, murder mystery is is her specialty. Uh, Just an incredible storyteller, uh, dreaming up these stories. And then there were none. It's just uh, the the my favorite of of many many uh, Agatha Christie books that I have very much enjoyed. So uh, there's plenty of renditions of the the movie story, the story and film, uh, but the book is far better than any of them as far as I'm concerned. Yep, and then number three for me is the Aragon Aragon series by Christopher Paulini. I always pronounce his last name wrong. Um, Aragon series is really good. Actually, I would I read that start read the first book in high school, and it really inspired me to write. Um, and I've written kind of written a story. Um, that book really again inspired me to write. The characters are great. The story is great. Um, I really highly recommend that book as well, or that series too. Another good uh, fantasy series. Yep. Yeah. Uh, number two for me is um, Into the Wild. Into the Wild by John, I'll pronounce it Krakauer. Oh. Yeah, John Krakauer, K R A K A U E R. Um, so Into the Wild is a story of a, a young man who graduates college, and this is a, a based on a, a true story. And uh, instead of pursuing a uh, job in, in his degree, uh, he just completes a law degree. He decides uh, that he's going to kind of scratch the itch that is uh, adventure and, and going off and 
uh, exploring the country and, and essentially living off the land, working odd jobs. <laughs> it's just a, 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 an incredible story that uh, speaks to me in particular, I think, because of my own uh, sense of adventure, my own intrigue with um, just uh, enjoying, loving, getting out in nature, um, and just being free to explore and, and uh uh, essentially live the life of a, a hobo is what he does for um, quite a long time and I won't spoil the ending uh, there's an, an incredible movie uh, as well based off of it but Into the Wild uh, definitely speaks to me and my personality and my passions uh, great book yeah I'll have to, have to check that one out um, I'm going to share my last two together as one because Paul is Paul's just really taking all the air out of my sails <laughs> oh uh, number two would be Harry Potter series, and number one would be Lord of the Rings. Um, Harry Potter, again, is just fascinating. It's a really good book, and, and I kind of had the hesitation, too, before, like, should I read the book or not? And I'm glad I did. There's actually, I would actually, Harry Potter quotes scripture several times, actually, um, and they really deal with the, um, the truth and reality of death, and even after death, just, but not to give anything away. <laughs> um, <laughs> too late, <laughs> right? But it's actually a really, really good book. The characters are so memorable. Um, Harry Potter and his friends, Weasleys and Hermione, and all of them are just such well, well, well-rounded characters. I eh? um, and then the same goes for Lord of the Rings. Those two books, uh, two series, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, are, for me are the highest standards for character development. Um, they just you see the characters literally change before your eyes as if they're living people. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. really, really good books. Lord of the Rings. I love the world. I mean, it's the world is so incredibly depth. A matter of fact, um, with the youth, I do this sometimes. Do powerpoints, and one of the powerpoint games that we did was uh, fake or real college courses. And there's actually a college course on Elvish. And <laughs> there's a college course on Elvis that uh, that J.R. or not J.R. Um, yeah, Tolkien, yeah, J.R. Tolkien yeah. wrote Elvish. And there's a college course. He's so in depth that there's a college course on it. It's, it's just fascinating. So his world is massive. Um, so I love Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter as well. It's just there's just two great fiction books that I couldn't recommend higher. So. Yeah, there's a, a separate book that Tolkien wrote called The Cimmerillion right. that is um, just a, a book set aside solely for introducing, I believe, right. the world and the languages of right. the uh, creatures that live in this right. world. Um, that's how in-depth uh, it, it really right. could have uh, been real to life. You could have created this world just right. from everything that Tolkien imagined up. I would uh, also, yeah, and that also reminds me, I also recommend The Hobbit. He wrote The Hobbit, too. Yeah. It's kind of a prequel yeah. to Lord of the Rings, so great yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I almost feel bad now, almost, Stephen, that you know I kind of <laughs> stole your thunder on your top yeah, two on this of, list. You only <laughs> ruined my first right. on the other list. <laughs> um, but uh, anyhow, just a, a little curveball here at the end for my top book. Uh, probably would not have seen this coming because this is more of a, a child uh, uh, child fiction book. Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> Green Eggs, Hop on Pop. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were building towards something great here at the end, and it's, what could be better? Uh, actually, it's The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton oh. Juster. Um, I've read it myself so many times, I, c- I couldn't tell you. I've read it to my kids. Uh, it just, I, I talked about setting uh, and, and just the 
the interesting intellectual twists in here, the ways uh, that uh, they educate and and uh, and um, encourage kids to, to learn and grow um, just by creating this fantasy world that is uh, just so genius uh, in some of the aspects, the characters, the concepts. Uh, so uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, the Phantom Toll Booth. I find myself like quoting it in sermons sometimes, and looking out, realizing nobody else knows anything about this book. Yeah. But uh, uh, that's that's a wrap. Um, it's been fun sharing these with you. Uh, I think we've maybe had a little too much fun, yeah. and uh, so we'll wrap it up in, in brief here. Uh, thanks for listening in. If you want to have a conversation about any of these books with Stephen or I, I know we would be glad to do that, Or uh, especially if you want to grab them, read, read them, and check in with us afterwards. Um, but uh, it's been fun sharing them with you and, and a little bit more about ourselves in, in doing so. Uh, we hope to see you soon. Uh, if we haven't seen you recently, um, we hope that uh, you'll, you'll be out and be able to join us in person, uh, 830, 10, 11, 30. And uh, we just hope you and your families are doing well, enjoying the transition into uh, spring and hopefully the freedoms that the, the pandemic uh, fading away have allowed you. And uh, we hope to rekindle relationships and, and get back in the saddle and, and back to doing church together uh, and, and new exciting things uh, coming up. So I uh, hope you're well, and uh, have a great week. We'll, we'll catch you next week.